I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kavanaugh. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and the Fantasy Life app over at Javanaugh87. You can follow us on, at importantnonsense.com. And we've got a fire conversation for you today. We're coming at you live from a three-man booth. My first guest, familiar face. You know him. You love him. It's Dr. John Dynasty. It's John Chancy. John, how's life in your, for our favorite Sooner? Hey, life is going good. It's it's moving pretty fast and pretty crazy. Uh, we have all the things going on in the world, but overall things are good. I'm safe. Uh, got to have a new job in the works, uh, staying in the Big 12 country. I'll, I, I'll, I'll reveal more later when that kind of, the, the, I dot all the T's and all that good stuff. And uh, I'm moving soon within the same city, but you know, all that is going pretty good. Oh, congratulations. Sounds like life is exciting for you. I'm glad to hear that, John. And don't forget to follow John on Twitter at DynastyPhD and Instagram at Scoozer from OKC. Uh, but it's not just John joining me today for the first time ever, making his important nonsense podcast debut. We have Mr. Nee Wallace Bruce. Nee is another member of the important dynasty or important nonsense dynasty cult. And uh, he's our resident IDP expert as well. So Nee, why don't you tell the people about uh, yourself? Thanks, Jack. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I just before I go any further, I want to give a shout out to to Neil and Steve for giving me this opportunity. Um, I've been playing. Uh, suck up over here. Okay, we see. We see. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta give thanks to those that give, gave you the chance. That's what it's all about. It's like a running back that gets an opportunity, like uh, Brian Hill last year. But um, I've been playing fantasy for about twelve years, and I was volunteered for a home league in Australia. That's where it all started. I knew nothing about the game back then, but. My competitive juices forced me to to learn and to to get schooled up on the game. And fast forward, um, I'm now fully into it. I'm uh, I guess I found important nonsense through the guys at PFF, and then um, I run my own league. I'm fully into dynasty. I'm into the IDP side of things. And yeah, when I'm not talking fantasy, you can find me talking sports as well on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is at the real NWB. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And so the reason I've gathered you two gentlemen here today is you two wrote a fantastic article on the site the other day. And if you haven't read it yet, go do that. Not right now, because I'd like you to finish the podcast. But as soon as you've done this podcast, go read the article. And so uh, it's called. It's the, the article is entitled Fireside Chat, Restocking Positions in Dynasty. So it's impossible for us to have a real fireside chat right now. It's an option for me and I living that Ontario life, but John, you can't join us, unfortunately. So we do have to do it over podcast, but this makes good listening for you guys. And so as a wise man once said, diamonds might be forever, but talent is in dynasty, fantasy football, the unflinchingly imperfect. What does that quote mean to you? Well, I mean, the, the, the general philosophy of, of, of the impermanent nature of, of all things is, is something I sort of how it guides my life. But I, I think especially... Uh, when we think about uh, football and dynasty football and building your team, I mean, change is, is coming for all of us. It's coming for your team. I mean, no matter how good you build your team, uh, you know, things happen, injuries happen, age happens. And all it really takes is, you know, maybe you have a great team today um, 
and but all it takes is maybe an injury here or a player retiring there and all of a sudden your foundations have cracked in this once you know awesome team um and you need to be prepared for that sort of inevitable change that's bound to happen to your team uh you know maybe you're at the top of your dynasty league now but if you're not prepared uh for the change that's bound to happen you know you could be looking uh from the from the you know the bottom up um, so I think that's just something I was thinking a lot about with how to restock positions and how you have to approach the game of dynasty from sort of a different philosophy, maybe than you would in redraft. Very, very well spoken, John. I'm impressed because there is nothing more painful than just getting burned by someone at the tail end of their career, whether it's a surprise retirement or a surprise injury or just natural deterioration along the way. So Nee, have you ever been burnt on the burnt end of a player's dynasty career? If so, who was it and how painful was it? Um, the most painful one is Eli Manning. Uh, yes, I was a believer in Eli Manning as my franchise quarterback in a startup dynasty Superflex league. Um, he was my guy, and this is just as his decline is beginning. So I paid up for him for a couple of years, and it was two years of pain. Um, my other quarterback was also Brian Hoyer, the San Francisco 49ers oh, no. incarnation. So you live and you learn from that. Um, I guess <laughs> the silver lining was that the 2018 season was so bad that ended up getting a high draft pick from that and was able to get Baker Mayfield. On the point of Baker Mayfield, um, I also acquired Odell Beckham Jr. in that same league last year. And I was on the hype train. I was on that Cleveland hype train thinking, yep, they're going to just explode. And then as we as we know, Poor old OBJ seemed to be hurt. He seemed to not have the chemistry uh, with Baker, and it was not a nice time. Wow, so you've been burnt by both Eli and Baker and Odell at this point. So you've just hit the trifecta of that entire organization. That's that's extremely painful. I'm so sorry, Nee. But that's, that's it, it's true. <laughs> Eli did have a quick decline, and it's just so painful when that happens. So we do have to be constantly looking ahead. We have to be ready to replace those guys along the way. And so since this is a dynasty show, I am going to start with the classic dynasty question because I already, if I already got the answer from John, he was wrong on this. I'm very disappointed in him. I hope you're right. I've got to know. You had the 101 this year. Which running back are you taking? Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Jack, if I have the 101, I want to know why I ended up with the 101. It better be an orphan team that I'm taking over. <laughs> um, okay, I'm not dodging, question. I'm not dodging the question. Um, in dynasty, look, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he's he's the flashy Lamborghini. He's he's gone from the national champion LSU to the world champion Chiefs. He's a pass catcher. You can you can see him do it all from the backfield. Honestly, though, if I had the one on one, I'm taking Jonathan Taylor. I, I believe I believe that the, yeah. the, the Colts are committed to the run. Philip Rivers is not hanging around for too long. I'm not, I'm not down on C, um, CEH, but I'm just see the, um, the Colts just using Taylor and him being more productive out of the gate over the first four years. I mean, that, that being said, CEH might have a longer career. Who knows? Because we know that Jonathan Taylor had a pretty heavy workload in college. I knew I was going to like you, Nee, and I'm glad that you <laughs> answered that correctly. I'm very impressed with you, and I'm not going to feed a fed horse, as the kids say, because Jonathan Taylor is already going to eat in the NFL. So I'm glad you're on the right sir side of history there, sir. <laughs> so since since we are starting with the running backs, uh, 
when do you want to get off those running backs? It used to be at age 30 was kind of the cutoff for running backs. When you look at guys like Devontae Freeman and David Johnson, they're both 28, and a lot of people think they're washed. It's debatable. We can have that conversation. But even you look at Todd Gurley, he's age 25. A lot of people think he's already washed too. So, like, where is that age cutoff at the running back position for you, Joe? Well, I think 30 is that kind of – um, you know, that age old wisdom that's easy to hold on to. Um, but you made a really interesting case by bringing up some players like David Johnson and Devontae Freeman and Gurley who are, who are not, who haven't, you know, they still have a couple of years away from 30, but sort of hit the wall in terms of their production. I find those examples to be pretty interesting because, um, you know, definitely Gurley and um, David Johnson are past their prime, but, you know, uh, as of right now, both are in a position to be the lead backs and what could be pretty good offenses. So I think they still have fantasy value, but they're certainly past their prime. Um, Devontae Freeman, I think it's, you know, it's pretty disappointing. Or if you're a fantasy player, that's pretty disappointing to see him not have a job. But, um, you know, I think there, there's probably some t- tread left in the tires there, but probably not a whole lot. Um, but it's interesting, though, because there's still, you know, there's some examples you can find of players even post 30 uh, like Adrian Peterson and maybe a lesser extent Frank Gore, who are still productive. Um, so I'm gonna. That's sort of a long answer, a long way of saying my answer. But I think when it comes to my RB one, I really want to make sure I have them in that kind of sweet spot, probably somewhere between their rookie year, maybe 25, 28, kind of at the latest, um, depending on you know uh, carries and things like that. Um, I really want youth when it comes to my RB1, but when it comes to RB2, I am willing to take more risk, maybe on some older players, players who might have a little more tread on their tires. Like if I had Todd Gurley as my RB2 going into this season, I think that's a pretty good position to be in, even with the concern of his declining production. Um, Even last year when it was a quote unquote down year for Gurley, he had a pretty good season, albeit not what you might hope for uh, as a, as a fantasy player using Todd Gurley, but so it really depends on what art running back we're talking about. RB1, I want to go pretty young while they're still in their prime or kind of coming up into their prime. But RB2, I'm a lot more flexible. And so is this another thing that you and John are in lockstep on me? Is there an age limit where you refuse to have running backs on your roster? Or are you being like John? Are you willing to be flexible? Yeah, look, um, I, I echo John's thoughts for the most part. I think uh, that age 25... Um, 26 spot is probably the sweet spot for me. After that, I'm looking to move on uh, from, you know, in terms of a longer-term prospect. Don't get me wrong. There are guys out there who you could certainly add for a season if you're in a championship window. There's a guy like Fagor or AP that could help you get over the hump, per se. But otherwise, for, for my RB1, especially the guys I'm starting every week, I'm looking to sell after 26. Um, so, for example, Derrick Henry, I had him last year. I, see, I did make one good decision in my league, <laughs> that same league I was talking about. And Derrick Henry was my guy at RB1, and um, I just hit the button. I just decided this is the right time to sell. I don't think his value is going to be any higher than it is now. Um, he recently signed a new contract with Tennessee. I, I noticed that. But can he sustain his 2019 production? And that's the question. So when it, when a running back reaches the end of their rookie contract or they're reaching age 26, maybe 27 if the workload hasn't been that um, much, that's when I'm looking to step off and start to entertain offers for trades. It seems that in the NFL, GMs are, are more open to 
moving on from running backs, and I guess we just had need to adjust for that in fantasy. That's a bold move, sir. I'm very impressed. For you to move off of Derrick Henry early, that was perfect timing because you're right. His value is never going to be higher than it just was after the end of the season. Maybe it's gotten a little bit higher like currently today because he did just sign that extension. But after the se- this season, it's not going to be higher. Something's got to give with him and Tannehill. Tannehill's going to mm-hmm. be less efficient. Derrick Henry should regress as well with Jack Conklin no longer playing right tackle for them. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. way to be ahead of the game. I'm very impressed by you. Great answer yeah. so far. Much better than yeah. John. I'm impressed. <laughs> oh, come on. It's early. It's We're just getting started. That's it. All right. So before we move off running backs, I've got one final question for you both. Who is 2020's Raheem Mostert? And who's your truther guy? He's been floating around, maybe your taxi squad for the last two, three seasons. You're ready for the breakout in 2020. Which running back are you looking for that guy? Me. Me. Okay. Uh, I will qualify that I've been holding on to Duke Johnson for two or three seasons, but he's not the guy to answer your question. Um, Hasn't everyone, hasn't. Yeah, and I still hold out hope that something something will fall his way, but at the moment it doesn't look to be the case. My guy in terms of truth of status is Boston Scott. I am a New York Yankee fan in the baseball realm, but this is one of the few times where I'm all about Boston. I'm a big fan of Miles Sanders too, but Boston Scott, he is a guy that has, as, as I see it, he can handle a full workload. And he's one snap away in Philadelphia from taking on that, um, that workhorse role in the backfield. I really don't think anyone had important on here. You did shout out uh, Steve and Neil earlier. They're going to approve that take hard. And so, John, who are you taking for that pick? Who's your guy? Oh, you know it's got to be Ronald Jones. Oh, I- no. <laughs> I I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep sounding the Ronald Jones horn. I I took him pretty early and in, in my long my longest time dynasty league, uh, and I've just been sitting back, kind of waiting and hoping he's gonna take over. Uh, you know enough of the role in Tampa to be worth um, keeping on my roster. And you know even though it's sort of somewhat of a down year, he got two hundred over two hundred touches last year, even playing with Peyton Barber. He had over a thousand yards of offense and six TDs. That's not great, but if I'm looking for somebody to fill in my RB two or my flex position on you know on any given week, I think that's not terrible. And I think you know even with him adding Vaughn with the rookie draft, you know I still think uh, he has an ability to play a, a role in one of the more high powered offenses. I think Tampa is going to be so much better this year than they were last year offensively. Um, so I really think that's one of the ways I'm going to sort of buy the Tampa stock is by keeping Ronald Jones in my dynasty league. It does infuriate me that you keep going back as well. It really does. But you know what? To be fair, you are right about the offense likely being more efficient. There's likely going to be more goal line carries. Ronald Jones isn't going to be fighting with Peyton Barber for those goal line touches. He's a bigger back than Keyshawn Vaughn. He's apparently he's been bulking up this offseason. So he could be at worst LeGarrette Blunt, and that's a fantasy relevant guy. So you know what? You're wrong for the hype, but you might be right in turn. Hey, that's We're halfway splitting. right. I'll take it. Yeah. You, all right, John. We'll move on from that. Because <laughs> you're driving me crazy. Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, 
your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave, take your time, you don't want any accidents down there. And the water resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You wanna show off that mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code NONSENSE, that's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is NONSENSE at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. You've written extensively about the tight end position over at importantnonsense.com, something that you should check out after this podcast, again, for a more in-depth breakdown. But, me, how do you identify breakout candidates at the tight end position? And is there anyone that you have in mind for 2020? Yes, sir. Important nonsense. Definitely worth a read. Not because I wrote it, but it's, I, I generally think it's a good article. The, one of the fundamentals of tight end is catching. Catching the football. It may sound obvious, but you want to be a good tight end, you got to catch the football. As such, I'm, I'm looking for guys who were once wide receivers and who may have been too big for that position or their coach simply transitioned them to the tight end position. There's, there's more of these players than you might think. Um, so a guy like Mark Andrews, for example, is one of these guys. But for this year, I'm, looking, I'm liking and looking at the prospects of CJ Uzuma in Cincinnati and also Dan Arnold over in Arizona. These are guys who, especially in the case of Uzuma, he, he no, longer, he no longer has Tyler Eifert in front of him on the depth chart. People will say that, um, that Cincinnati is stacked at wide receiver, but but it's still a rookie quarterback coming in. Rookie quarterbacks tend to lean on their tight ends. This is his opportunity. And as for Dan Arnold, we saw a little bit of a breakout towards the end of 2019. He had a pretty good game against Cleveland, if, if you're following down the stretch. Um, people, people will poo-poo these guys and say, look, they don't see the breakout coming, but not all breakouts are obvious. You only need to look at Evan Ingram back in 2018 and his breakout. You make a very compelling argument. I really enjoy that. And CJ Uzoma in Cincinnati, he really is a guy that important nonsense again is really – I really think you're starting to influence us too much, Nee. I'm not sure I like this. You're kind of speaking for us at this point. Dan Arnold as well. Arizona's big on that three and four widespread system. Dan Arnold can play the slot. He's not just an inline guy. He's more of a move tight end slot. It's yep. going to be exciting for those two guys. I think you might actually have something there. So I, I'm looking forward to this knee. And uh, not John, just that. Yeah. AJ Green is on the way out in Cincinnati. Uh, we don't know how long he's going to hang around for. And Larry Fitzgerald, it seems like this could be last season. So 
the opportunity for more targets down the line in Dynasty is there for both guys. I like it. I really do like it. Uh, so, John, we've already discussed this, you and I, and you're, we're both big on the big, young, athletic tight ends. We think those are the big breakout guys. So who is your top breakout candidate for 2020? I think it's Noah Fant playing for Denver. Um, right now, you know, it, uh, currently uh, he's rated number nine, the number nine dynasty tight end on Fantasy Pros. Um, and I think he has a really good chance of being able to ascend maybe into that next uh, elite group of tight ends. Uh, he didn't show a ton of promise in terms of the box scores last year as a rookie. I mean, it's hard for rookie tight ends to be to come in and be uh, super productive, but he did show some promise in terms of, you know, he averaged 8.5 yards per target, 14.5 yards per reception. So it shows me that they are, uh, he's going to have a lot of big play potential in that, uh, the Denver offense. And I really think Denver is going to take a step forward with their offense this year. So uh, I can see Fant in his second year having a huge upside and maybe jumping into that group, maybe not this season, but very soon jumping into that group of like Kelsey, Kittle, and Andrews. You know, I find Noah Fant kind of an interesting guy this year because like you said, he is the tight end nine. He's both over on uh, Fantasy Pros and Fantasy Football Calculator, both of our friends. Uh, and yet when you're in an actual draft, guys like Noah Fant, Jonu Smith, Mike Gusecki, Tyler Higby, and Hayden Hurst, they're all kind of interchangeable in Dynasty at this point. It's a lot of shooting your shot at tight end. And so, yeah, Noah Fant is a good guy to get behind because he does have that elite athleticism, and he and Drew Locke do have prior experience together. Everyone's all excited about Jerry, Judy, and KJ Hamler, but Noah Fant has already done it with Drew Locke. So that is, there is something to be said for that. So you know what? You might actually have one right this time, John. I am impressed. Mm-hmm. Nee, who's your, uh, do you have anything to say about Noah Fant? Um, yeah, look, it's going to be interesting because, like you said, there's, there's added weapons in Denver. But that, that rapport that he has with Locke is going to be crucial because this offseason is different to other offseasons. We don't know how much time the new guys are going to get with uh, the veterans in terms of training camp. It looks like there's only two, two preseason games happening at the moment. It could be zero if the, the league adjusts after discussion with the players' union. So the reps and the playing time uh, on the practice field is going to be interesting. I think Fan has an advantage there. And... This is one of the seasons where you're going to lean on guys who have been there before in the NFL over the rookies. You know, I think this was the most enjoyable tight end conversation I've had in a long time. So thank you very much for that, gentlemen. I do appreciate that. And so we are going to move on to QB now. We're going to make that conversation as brief as possible because in Dynasty, there's not a lot to talk about for quarterbacks. And so, John, like you say, your strategy is to set it and forget it. You just want to draft a guy that's going to start for the next 10 years. With that strategy in mind, rank these five young quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, and Gardner Minshew. All right. So of those five, I know I'm probably going to get hammered for being a little biased here, but I'm going to go Baker first um, because I think he has too many good weapons around him. That Cleveland offense, if it can, if it can really spark, uh, it could be an elite offense in the NFL. I also think he showed a lot of promise in his rookie year, and I really don't want to hold um, a somewhat dysfunctional year two against him um, totally. Uh, I would go Josh Allen, number two. I think he has a lot of upside. Even if he's not the best NFL quarterback, I think he has a lot of fantasy upside with his ability to run the ball. Um, then I would go Darnold, three. Uh, I think ultimately he has the most talent of that 2018 class, but he's probably maybe in the worst situation being a Jet. Um, and he's looked really good when he's been healthy. It's just a matter of being healthy. Uh, the fourth, I'd go with Minshew. 
Um, I really like Gardner Minshew a lot. Um, the only thing I worry about, though, is where is he going to play? If, if this idea that, you know, Jacksonville supposedly is going to tank and to try to get Trevor Lawrence or whoever, um, does that mean, you know, he's playing elsewhere? Or is he battling out for a position uh, somewhere else next year? Who knows? Uh, and then I go Daniel Jones, five. I think he showed a lot of potential in some of those boom uh, games, uh, you know, having 28, plus, 28 points or more, but he had plenty of bust games as well. So I'm still kind of in a wait and see mode with Daniel Jones. Yeah, you really are a Daniel ha- Jones hater, aren't you? That's uh, kind of disappointing because you see he's, he is a younger Josh Allen. He's a year younger than him, and he is a younger version of him. They're both inaccurate. They're both very up and down. But because of that, I do like Daniel Jones a little bit more than Josh Allen because Josh Allen is more likely to get trubisky this year. He's already a year ahead in that that poor side of the contract or of the QB development curve. So, yeah, I'm going to take Daniel Jones in that. But anyways, enough about me. Me, do you have any disputes? Is there anything you wanted to add about QB? Um, no, I think I think Jones pretty much. Yeah, he's. I don't, I'm not going to dispute his order too much. I think Dan Jones, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the new coaching staff, the the, the combination of Joe Judge as head coach, um, our friend from Dallas who's now in New York, uh, the Clapper, uh, defensive coordinator, I forget his name right now, and Freddie Kitchener as the quarterback coach. Jason Garrett was the name as offensive coordinator. So I always referred as the Clapper. The Clapper. So we're going to see how he... Um, functions in that offense and see how the the new staff functions together. Um, interesting. In terms of the the quarterbacks, though, Baker, Allen, and Donald, they're all part of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL draft in 2018. And Jones is one of the early round picks in 2019. Minshew is an outlier because he was, I believe he was sixth round, if I'm not mistaken, in the 2019 draft. And that translates to dynasty drafts because he's, he's a flyer. He's a guy that you take at the end of your rookie draft. You're not really hoping for much out of him, but he got a starting role out of that. That's where I'm looking for value. I, I do agree with John in the idea of setting and forgetting a quarterback, but you, I always like to take a flyer on guys at the end of my rookie draft and stash guys. In, in the event that my starter goes down, I can hopefully turn to a guy who's been sitting on my taxi squad. So in terms of that, um, Cole McDonald of the Titans is the guy I'm looking yes. at. Yes, he's the he's my Minshew for 2020. Uh, value is king in my world when it comes to dynasty, and I think he's a potential value going forward. I really like that take because Cole McDonald kind of has that same level of swagger that Gardner Minshew has, so I mm. can really get behind that. And so for me, it's Baker Mayfield. I agree. I think he's just the most talented quarterback, so I think he has the most likely to be have the longest career in the NFL. And then after that, I'm going to go with Daniel Jones because, like I said, the uncertainty and the rushing upside. We've seen two years of Darnold and Allen. So I'm going to go after that, Sam Darnold, because I do think he is more talented than Daniel or than Josh Allen. And then Josh Allen I'm going to put fourth because I think he might get Trubisky this year, and that's just something that's possible. Gardner Minshew I'm going to put last because, like me said, he is not one of the first-round picks like the rest of the guys, and so he is probably going to be replaced if he season he's not going to be given that second chance because it doesn't have the draft capital behind it as unfortunate as that is so jack do you think jake Fromm could step in and be the starter by the end of the season for buffalo uh i don't know i don't want to hitch my wagon to jake Fromm at all i just think by the end of this season we might buffalo might realize that hey 
Josh Allen isn't the guy. We're going to get our new Nick Foles to bring in and replace. So maybe not actually replacing him per se with someone on the roster. Just he's most likely to be replaced in Buffalo give up. Anyway, so moving on from that, we're going to round things out with the deepest position in all of fantasy football. We're going to talk about wide receivers. Part of the reason it's so deep because there are a plethora of receivers that are producing well into their 30s. So, John, who is your favorite 32-plus-year-old wide receiver? I'm really excited about Emmanuel Sanders this year uh, being added to uh, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, currently, he's ranked as the 67th wide receiver on Fantasy Pros. That seems a little silly to me. Um, but I think he's in a perfect situation. He's going to walk into New Orleans with very little pressure uh, because he doesn't have to be the guy. Michael Thomas is already the guy. Uh, they already have a lot of, you know, they already have other targets uh, as well, like Jared Cook. Uh, and, you know, you have uh, Kamara as well. But I think uh, Sanders could have a, a pretty good uh, year post. He's 30, he's 33, uh, and he's another year removed from Achilles surgery. So I think that could possibly, you know, we could see a really uh, a, a, another, um, I don't want to say breakout year, but a, a really solid year from him. But I think what I would expect is if you're looking for somebody, if you're in a startup or you're looking to pick somebody up maybe in free agency and you need maybe I'm looking for at specific roles, maybe that third wide receiver or somebody that you can plug into your flex position weekend and week out and feel pretty confident about. I would love to get Emmanuel Sanders for this season. I, I just think he's going to have um, an awesome season with Breeze and Peyton and the rest of that offense. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders really is an exciting guy this season because last year he was a wide receiver 27 overall. And that was, well, through 16 games anyways. We always discount the last game of the season because no one's playing fantasy at this same. But he was catching passes from Joe Flacco in Denver, which was absolutely terrible. Flacco is washed objectively at this point. And then after he got away from Flacco, he moved to the most one of the most run-heavy offenses in the NFL. So again, he's really didn't have the chance to shine last year, but he still was very impressive. Emmanuel Sanders just continues to age so gracefully. So now that he's with Drew Brees, now he's the wide receiver 67. Like I really don't understand how he can fall that far. I, I, I just don't get it. it that's just... Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders is a guy Definitely. that you want for the cha- championship run this year. Uh, nee, do you have anything anything to say about Emmanuel Sanders, or is there a guy that you like different than? Yeah, um, as a 49ers fan, I, I enjoyed him um, coming across and doing his thing towards the end. The, the Niners they needed a bit of a uh, alpha dog in 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 their wide receiver core, and he was that guy down the stretch. So. He goes to New Orleans now, and it's a bit of a last dance for them in in real football. And as as John alluded to, Michael Thomas is dominating on one side of the ball, one side of the field. So there's going to be targets available for the taking. And Sanders is he's a proven guy in fantasy, so why not? Guys like that, there's a lot of meat left on the bone. So go get yourself an Emmanuel Sanders. Go get yourself a Julian Edelman. Make that playoff push this year. And so, Nate, is there a point where you're going to give up on wide receivers age-wise? I know we just talked about Emmanuel Sanders, but he's clearly ageless. So what point are you starting to look at cutting bait? Yeah, look, um, so a guy like Sanders is someone you consider for maybe one, potentially two seasons, if you're a championship window that I, that I talked about before. But otherwise, I'm typically looking to, to move on from age 28. I feel like now someone might say, well, that's a bit early, but I'd rather be too early than eight when it comes to shipping place for value in dynasty so if you're eagle-eyed you'll notice that obj is approaching 28 this year 
And that means you can you can sell him and get some really good value. So a guy like him at the top of the food chain in Dynasty, I'd be looking to move him on for running back and hopefully a early round pick in a trade. That way I can just keep my team young. That's an interesting strategy. I do understand what you're saying. So you are less interested on those aging veterans and you do want to try and sell them, but only if the price is right. Smart man, knee. So how do you handle wide receiver in the draft? I know you've said that it's running back early, running back often. So where are you drafting your first wide receiver in a typical rookie draft? I'm not I'm not touching wide receiver, to be honest. If I can avoid it. I, I prefer to not at all. Not you're you're not touching wide receiver at a draft. In the five rounds, four or five rounds of your rookie draft, you're not drafting one receiver. This will sound explosive. This will sound outlandish, but yes, I would I would much rather wait one or two years to see how those wide receivers get on in the league and then acquire them. Especially if it's a guy who maybe hasn't had the opportunity but has the potential. I'd rather acquire them at a cheaper price than I would in a rookie draft where you're trading on or you're acquiring based on uncertainty. Guys get wide receivers more volatile than running back, I believe, when it comes to this. A guy can get cut so easily. Um, I'd much rather take a shot on an upside quarterback or a running back. Um, if the league has IDP, I'd much rather get a linebacker or a, one of those guys. That being said, once the draft is over, I'm not against going and acquiring a wide receiver in the auction or the, the free agency pool. So a guy like Quintus Cephas from Detroit, he, he looks like a, a guy who could step up uh, once Marvin Jones moves on. And Quez Watkins in Philadelphia. There's there's plenty of opportunity out in the city of brotherly love. That is just a shocking answer. I cannot believe it. I've never heard that strategy before. And so I will agree with you. I do always go running back early, and, but I, I'm still willing to take wide receiver around two or three. John, are you in on this train with me? Am I am I the crazy one here? <laughs> no, I think it depends on the year. I, I think this this year particularly, I wanted to spend a lot of rookie draft capital on wide receivers just because I thought this is one of the better years. You're you're and the more chances I have, you know, at these at, at, at different wide receivers, I figure at least if I draft three or four of them in my rookie draft, um, then maybe I have a chance at one or two or maybe three of them hitting. Um but I think it depends on your team need as well and other things. So uh, I think there's a lot of factors, but I usually, I try to, um, you know, typically draft just based on value, um, kind of not really thinking a whole lot about my needs specifically, but who's the best player available. And, and you know, if it's a wide receiver, I'm going to take them. Um, but a lot of it depends on circumstances, I guess, um, you know, where my team is at, at that moment and all, but I definitely am not opposed to taking wide receivers. Okay, so it's just me that hates wide receivers. <laughs> okay, I, I, I do understand that, and I do understand <laughs> now. <laughs> to your point, though, guys like Quintus Cephas and Quez Watkins, they are both great young upside guys late in the draft, and there's always going to be players like that, players that break out out of nowhere, players that were drafted in the fifth round or later. I hold out hope for Justin Watson, although it seems like that's unlikely to happen now that Scotty Miller and Ty Johnson are in the fold. There are always those types of players where it's just like you got to have your fifth-round guy. They're always willing to break out. There's always an Adam deal in UDFA. So I don't think you're completely wrong here, Nee. It's just such a wild strategy to completely avoid wide receiver. I, I don't think Steve, we're going to get Steve to sign off on this, honestly. I really don't. 
he's such a wide receiver heavy guy. <laughs> You're going to have to talk to him about that. And so I, I don't know how that's going to go for me, but good luck. So, John, are there any second year or later receivers that you consider must acquires before they break out those guys that I've talked about? Yeah, I think I think the the, the most obvious name that comes to my mind is Mikkel Hardman for Kansas City. Um, I think he had just has too much. Wow, speed. way to go, chalk, John. Way Hold to on, go I'll, for the chalkiest I'm, answer. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the chalk answer, and then I'm gonna give you a, a deeper dive. So my chalk answer, okay, yeah, it's Mikkel Hardman. I think just if you have a chance to to buy some stock in the KC offense, maybe this is a cheaper way to do so than you know getting Tyree Kill or someone like that. Um, so I think he has a lot of high upside there. But my deeper dive, if you have maybe say a deeper roster uh, on, you know, deeper roster in your dynasty league, or you have the, um, if you have a taxi squad that allows you to keep second year players, I really like taking either Keyshawn Johnson or Hakeem Butler from Arizona. If you can get one or get both, great. I think, um, you know, especially if you're looking for a lottery ticket type player, I think both of those. I just really like the Arizona offense this year. I see Kyler Murray really taking a step forward. The offense, the team in general taking a step forward. So Keyshawn Johnson or Hakeem Butler might be a really cheap way of kind of buying some stock into that option. And I've I've been waiting this entire podcast to save this, but I think Hakeem Butler, I'm still holding out. I think he has the potential to be a poor man's, albeit a very poor man's DK Metcalf. So uh, take your flyer on him now before he gets too expensive. I, wow. I, I don't know if I can work with you anymore, John. Uh, so <laughs> n- not only do you go the chalkiest chalk possible with McCole Hart, willing to excuse that, but then you don't even mention Andy Isabella out of, you mentioned two other guys that were drafted yeah. after him to break out. And then, and then you call Hakeem Butler a poor man's DK Metcalf. Where do you get off, sir? I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've been stuck inside for too long. I don't know. Maybe it's the quarantine. I've just been watching too much Iowa State footage. I don't know. So, me, you agree with me that uh, Andy Isabella over Keish, right? Yeah, look, Jack, Andy Isabella is a, he's a guy who you can get at a, at a value in, in Dynasty right now because he, he didn't have the breakout season that maybe we were expecting. But at the same time, he still has those fundamentals. So... He has the full route tree at his disposal. He makes plays when he has the ball in his hands. He had that great game against San Francisco last year. This is a guy who you can get at a discount compared to what you paid for him in rookie drafts. And, and to that point, that's how I get my wide receivers, Jack. I, I'm not paying off the draft. I'd rather wait a season or two for the value to come off a little bit. And then I'm looking to acquire at the discount. So Andy Isabella is one guy I'm looking at. I'm also looking at Jacoby Myers. This is a guy who, he's the heir apparent in New England. With Julian Edelman and Mohamed Sanu reaching their twilight, this is a guy who, who had rapport with Tom Brady early on in the preseason and, and in parts of the 2019 season before Brady left. I still think he has the fundamentals to, to make plays. People will say that Nikhil Harry is there as well, but I feel like Myers is slightly ahead of the curve because he had that game time, whereas Harry was injured for a lot of 2019. Finally, Deontay Johnson is a guy that I'm also keen on. I know that he's been the, the internet darling this offseason. He's been the hype train on Twitter. But Big Ben's coming back. Juju Smith might be out the door once his contract is up at the end of the season. What's not to like about Deontay Johnson? 
All right, so there was a lot to break down there, a lot of hot takes. But yes, starting back with Andy Isabella, completely right. And I do understand what you're saying with how you develop, guys. You're looking for the bust players who everyone drafted early, and now they've released off of their dynasty roster. There's method to the madness. I do understand you now, me. I am impressed. You are back moving ahead of John. Congratulations. <laughs> in, the, in my good books once again. Uh, anyways, back to Jacoby Myers. Yeah. People really kind of forgot about him because down the stretch, he was replaced by Gil Harry, Mohamed Sanu. Those guys were getting in the lineup ahead of him. Jacoby Myers just made key play after key play. And it's really disappointing that he got benched towards the end of the season for whatever reason, especially with New England being such a mess in there. But who knows? Maybe he just upset Tom Brady one time. Mm. Who knows? Tom Brady's so temperamental. Do you think he's, he's going to have more success with Cam Newton? I feel like he he will. Um, Cam Newton's not really a he's not really a big a deep thrower. He's he's kind of like the the short intermediate routes, and I feel like that that's not too dissimilar to what Brady did. It's slightly different in terms of what the two quarterbacks did, but there are some similarities, and I think Myers can can tap into that. Yeah. The fact that Newton is there it means it's a a new it's an even playing field once again. Edelman has to learn how to deal with. Uh, Newton, sort of Sanu, so Myers has that opportunity to step up. And to your point, with that, with it being a fresh slate, if anything were to happen to Newton and Jarrett Stidham does go into the lineup, he does have that rapport with Jacoby Myers from the preseason last year. Jacoby Myers was one of the top receivers in the preseason last year. So, yeah, so, uh, big things happen with that NC State guy, Jacoby Myers. So interesting things there. And I, I don't know how to tell you this, knee, but... Deontay Johnson is kind of taboo at this point on important nonsense. Steve is very against the Deontay Johnson hype train. He thinks that it's an equal playing field with Ben Roethlisberger. He thinks it might be James Washington or even Chase Claypool. That's really Steve's guy. So, John, are you on the Deontay Johnson hype train, or are you pivoting off that to one of the other receivers? I think it's worth he's worth a flyer if you can if you can get it if you have a chance um, with Big Ben. You know, there's a lot of upside to that offense, but there's also a lot of mouths to feed already, as you just mentioned. They added. You know, uh, Claypool, they still have Juju, who's going to be back and healthy. They also have Eric Ebron. So um, if the if the value's worth it, I say take a flyer. But um, I would be really careful about spending too much uh, on Deontay Johnson. Yeah, and I'm going to cop out me right in the middle. I like Deontay Johnson's talent. I'm going to wash my hands of it uh, in terms of this season. So I'm not even going to answer that because I don't have to because I'm the host. So that's the beneficial thing about being the host. So. Uh, with that, John, we're going to be uh, signing off here. Do you have anything to say to the people, any of your adoring fans in the audience? Oh, of course. You know, just be safe out there. Um, I highly recommend, you know, wear a mask uh, or stay inside, you know, if you if you can't. Um, read lots of books during this time. Also, try to stay active mentally, physically. Just stay sharp. I think uh, this time is really trying. Um but it's not a prison sentence, I don't think. I think if you're, even if you're stuck inside, this is a really good chance to grow and to learn things, uh, whether it's more about fantasy football or about yourself or whatever. But, you know, try to use the time productively. Um, this could be a really good chance to be uh, to grow. So, yeah. Well said, my friend. Well said. Smart words from a very smart man. And uh, so, Nee, any parting words for your uh, new new fans out there? You've made a great impression on all of us. So, any anything to say to your new adoring fans? Yeah, look, I I I, I guess I'm taking a leaf from Doctor Dynasty's book here. Just be be good to each other. These are tough times that we're in, but we don't have to 
stop being good human beings just because we're locked, we're inside in some cases. I mean, definitely wash your hands, wear a mask if you have to go outside, support your local business because there's a lot of businesses hurting out there right now. And there are some that will not survive the pandemic. But if we try and look, look out for each other a little bit, we're going to get through. And yeah, just be kind. Be kind to each other. Lovely, Nini. Thank you very much. You absolutely crushed it for your first time. And so thank you, everyone, for following along with us. Don't forget to check us out and all the fantastic work that these gentlemen have been doing over on portnonsense.com. Be sure to follow us along on Twitter and Instagram at NonsenseFF. For Dr. Dynasty John Chansey, for Mr. Nee Wallace Bruce, I've been your host, Jack Cavanaugh. You can find me everywhere at Javanaugh87. Don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Nee. Thanks, guys. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!